Hey, everybody. Good to see you tonight. I uh, want to first of all just say congratulations to our baptismal candidates. Wasn't that awesome to see them celebrate? And um, grateful uh, for Pastor Jamie and helping us uh, make that happen, the, Pastor Bruce. All right. Well, the year was 1981. We're having 80s night coming up. So, I mean, I kind of even post-date the 80s, which is a little scary. But it's 1981. My very first experience in a missions trip. I was a senior in high school, and it actually happened during Christmas. So what was really cool was not only was I going to have my very first missions trip, but it was going to be leading right up to Christmas. So that was kind of cool, but I was also a little afraid. I was getting ready to go way deep, deep into the jungles in southern Mexico with a very veteran missionary who had planted over 300 churches throughout Mexico. And an amazing, wonderful man. Got a chance to connect with him. So I was going with a group of men. Matter of fact, I was the only one from my church of, of our men's group that was going. Joined with a, a bunch of other, uh, matter of fact, I was the youngest. These were all adult men. And uh, so we got on the airplane, flew there into Mexico City, drove deep, deep into the jungles, and uh, had a wonderful experience getting there. But man, I'm talking, this was National Geographic, thatch touch. A hut roofed type experience. Absolutely was. The people were no taller than this. As a matter of fact, they called me El Gigante. That was my nickname, which means the giant. So that, that gives you any idea. And so was building and working on a church that was there. And in the evening, what we would do is we'd go down to this river. And this was this ice cold river. I'm talking, this thing was so beautiful. Came down from the mountains and flowed about half a mile away from the village. And I would go down there every evening, of course, to get cleaned up from the work of the day. And I just loved, of course, being by water in the ice cold water. One of these afternoon, early evenings, I went down there. And I was the only one down there. None of the guys wanted to go down there. Of course, I went down there every evening. And I was down there by myself, just kind of goofing around in the wading pool. And I was kind of trying to get my nerve up to swimming across this river. And this river was about 300 yards across. But it was a very swift river, and it was definitely over your head. And I remember just every day just thinking, man, I'm going to go after it. You know, I'm going to swim across this river. So I hadn't gotten the nerve up to it yet. But as I was down there one evening, I heard this screaming. And as I was looking across the river, I saw this little boy that was trapped or he was caught on the other side of the river and I remember my heart just going out here crying out crying out and I remember just thinking I've got to go over there and swim to him I needed to go rescue this boy and I thought here you are a missionary you've come all this way and you're gonna let this little boy be abandoned and and struggle and pretend he was going out into the water I was like if he goes under that water he's gonna drown and I remember getting overwhelmed by this and then I was getting ready to get in the water and I just thought no this is not a good idea Something in my spirit said, don't do it. But then my pride rose up inside, and of course, man, I'm, and then guilt that came over me. I was like, you know, here you are, a strong 18-year-old. I was a good swimmer, very good swimmer. In fact, in time, I did swim across that river several times. But I was sitting at that situation kind of wondering, do I go, do I go? But in my heart, I just did not feel released to do it. And I remember feeling somewhat of guilt, but then a peace came over me. The Lord just spoke to me and said, David, listen to me. So I remember just sitting there waiting, just feeling like, gosh, am I going to, on my own, my first missionary trip, watch a little boy drown. But as I was watching, all of a sudden, out of the jungles came a couple of women. They grabbed him up, spanked him, dragged him back into the woods. That was the end of it. <laughs> I was going, boy, did I learn a lesson there. And what did I learn? Well, so many things, but I'll cut it down for you. <laughs> 
Number one, don't take matters into your own hands and not yours. As a matter of fact, what was going on there is that I did not understand that this little boy probably could swim across that river back and forth ten times in my one. And yet what I didn't realize is that this whole experience was a real test for me. And that was to really trust what was going on in the inside. Now, again, as I told you, I did swim that river later on as I got gumption up to do it. And let me tell you how I did it. You literally had to swim upstream to get 100 yards downstream. That's how hard you had to swim this ice-cold mountain river. But I wonder, did God save my life there? Did I not bite off more than I could. could. Did I do something? Could I have done something that wasn't my responsibility? Could I have bitten into something and then only to find myself that I was out of the will of God? But I'm grateful to God that I did listen to my, my spirit, listen to what he was speaking to, to me about. Folks, that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want to talk to us about following the star. I want to talk to you in week two. Pastor Jamie kicked us all off next, last week. But tonight I want to talk about it, go a little further in this idea of following this star in our wonderful Christmas story. I want to talk about specifically following the will of God, knowing the will of God, how to determine. I want to give you some practical things tonight that I learned many, many years ago that I have drawn on so many times. You'll find this on the app because I really want you to have these literal points so that you can refer to them in your life. You know, We've been talking about this Christmas story. It's a wonderful story. So many things to learn about. We understand that the Christmas story itself is just full of the sovereign plan of God. Pastor Jamie talked last week about how the star literally represents the sovereign providential plan of God. It took a wonderful, awesome, all-knowing, omnipotent God to place that star there when he did, how he did it, and how it played out in history. An awesome God. But can an awesome God have inter interactions with little people like us? Can God speak to us? Can God lead us? You know, I believe more than any other time in our lives, perhaps even in our history, we need to be believers that are so tuned into the voice of God. We need to be able to understand him, know him. Perhaps there are cautions. Maybe there are things that God wants to prevent us from. Perhaps there are things that God wants us to do. And are we dialed in? Tonight, I want to begin in the story in, in, in where, where it really begins. Where does it begin? Well, it begins with Mary, doesn't it? It begins with Mary, sweet little Mary. I want to begin with Luke chapter 1 and remind us of the story. We're so familiar with it. But what I would like to do is look at this story as it begins and what can we learn from what Mary learned? Or what did she experience? Let's jump in. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are who, who, who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and, you, and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We read a lot about this story, didn't we, in the book of Isaiah. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, take notice of her question. We'll come back to it. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In other other words, his father will be God himself. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What an amazing story. I mean, we could, you know, young ladies, you could put yourself in her shoes. Some of us could be thinking about what would we do, but more than anything, what we see is an absolute supernatural event that's taking place here. The fulfillment of a promise hundreds of years in the making played out right there. And isn't it amazing that the promise is so full of prophetic pomp and circumstance. It is is brought in such a way that, that they study it and study it and they probably gild the pages waiting for it. And then it just happens in the simplest of circumstances to a little, little lady, totally unexpected, not knowing she's going to be caught up in this wonderful, absolute amazing drama. What can we learn from Mary? Tonight, we should take a look. First of all, Mary represents all who were called to follow, even through difficult circumstances. Now, take note of circumstances. We're going to talk about those a little bit tonight. But when we talk about what God is doing, what God is doing with human beings, we look at Mary, and again, she's found herself in a situation where she's just living her life. She's just doing what, she's being obedient to her parents. She's just a simple young teenage young lady. And yet God comes and interrupts her world to say, you are highly favored of God. You are in God's story. And what is amazing about this, folks, is that even though we see that, and of course we should, you know, think of Mary in wonderful terms. I don't think we should worship her. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't. There is only one God, one one son of God. He is the one to worship, the one that she brought forth. But at the same time, she was, is to be venerated. She is to be celebrated because she did obey the Lord, didn't she? But here's the point I want to make tonight is that, folks, she's no different than you and me. She's a part of the wonderful story. But guess what? So are you. So am I. We're talking about the Genesis. We're talking about the very first one who's called into the game, so to speak, who's called into the great story. But that person, that that experience, that divine moment is going to be multiplied over and over and exponentially over and over again as God continues to invade the world of the most unsuspecting human beings like you and me. Coming knocking on the door of your life saying, hi, David, you are highly favored because you're now going to be on my team. You're now going to serve me. You're now going to be a part of what I'm doing in the earth. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Kim. Hello, Kelly. You are in the story. You are highly favored. You may say, well, highly favored like Mary? Well, maybe not in the same way. (laughs) Amen, right? 
but certainly in a more, an incredible way, a supernatural way, to be able to bring forth, maybe not to be, to be impregnated with a baby, but to be impregnated with vision, to be able to carry something that is very unique to you and from the very heart of God to place in your life, absolutely, without question. And what is so cool about Mary's story, what we look at it and, and we take from this, and it should be an absolute encouragement, and that is this, that God makes a way where there is no way. Mary has to look, and, and, and Mary, the first thing that Mary is going, um, me? But God says, yes, you're highly favored. She's no queen. She's no princess. She's no, nobody that, 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 she's just a simple little, little peasant gal living in her simple little, does anything good come from that part of the world? And God came to her. And what would disqualify her in the sense of what the world thinks was what has absolutely qualified her in the eyes of God. Highly favored. Can anyone name anything? Well, we'll look at that tonight. But it most certainly, the, the fact of the matter is, today, Mary would end up on no magazine cover. She wouldn't be an Instagram model. She wouldn't be any of anything that any of us would celebrate when it comes to how the world looks at the purity and the humility of a beautiful, innocent young lady who just said, whatever you, whatever you got planned, be it unto me. But think about that. It required nothing more than just availability. Nothing more than to just say, well, God, whatever you got in mind, may it happen. May it happen. God made a way where there is no way. And he wanted to show Mary that because she was just going, you know, how is this going to be? You notice the question she asked. I told you we're going to come back to that. Now, Zachariah says, you know, basically, Zachariah, his question is he doubts God. And as a result, he is struck, unable to speak for a whole, during the whole time of, of her pregnancy. Elizabeth's pregnancy. Mary doesn't ask that. Mary's not doubting. <laughs> I love Mary's question. She's going, how are you going to do it? Now, for a young lady, I get that. That is a straight up, honest question. How are you planning to do that? <laughs> and God says, well, God's going to do it. He's going to be the father. He's going to overshadow you. He's going to put it, essentially what he's saying, the father, God, the creator, is going to put a baby inside you. And she's going, okay. Look at that. Any world, any gal of today, and I'm not, you know, picking on any names or, any, or anything at all, but any gal of today would be like running, screaming in the opposite direction. And would end up on some magazine, show, or television. Yeah, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Mm -mm. No, she says, whatever you've got planned happened to me. Go ahead. See, the truth is, when we think of Mary in the experience, what we see is that God uses Obedient, humble people. Pure and simple. Obedient, humble people. Mary has chosen. Why was she highly favored? You ever thought of that? Why was she highly favored? Well, I, I, I'd like, I just pointed it out. She's obedient to her parents. She was a simple, loving, kind, obedient, available. You know, we talk about being faithful, available, teachable. This is Mary. Right down the line. And God is drawn to that and says, 
That is what I'm looking for. She never once doubted who God was. Was she afraid? Yes, the angel, because she says she did not know what kind of greeting this was. Angel shows up. She doesn't know, is this, am I being taken away? Am I going to die? No, no, no. The angel immediately says, don't be afraid. You are highly favored. She's frightened. There is no doubt. And when we're confronted with the supernatural, (laughs) we're going to be afraid. When I was in that situation, every time I began in my life learning how to follow God, in my early walk, walking days, I was afraid half the time of what God was going to tell me to do, what, God, what, what, what kind of interesting things God was going to lead me into, knowing that it would always be overwhelming, always be something supernatural, always be something more than I could handle. But every single time, God is there saying, David, I've got this. All I need you to do is be humble and available, and watch me do amazing things. This is Mary to the T. To the T. Again, she's frightened. But then what we see is a resoluteness. And if there's anything that we need to see about Mary in this story, is that right there. Because the moment God just says, this is how it's going to happen, she says, okay, okay. May it be to me what you say. Is this essentially what she's saying? Whatever you've got in mind, may it happen in my life. Folks, do you see the faith there? Do you see the trust there? And in the face of this, of course, is the knowledge of the embarrassment. She's already betrothed. She's already promised to Joseph. She already knows what must be going through her mind is this is really going to upset the apple cart when it comes to my life and all that is going to happen. She didn't even go through those questions. Didn't even go through all of that. No, whatever you've got planned, Father, may it happen. Secondly, when we think of Mary, Mary was called to trust God's plan by the peace and the direction he gives. See, once we buy into being followers of Jesus Christ, once we've bought into the, I'm going to follow the star, I'm going to do this, whatever this world says, however it's going to dictate to me, however this all plays out, I'm following Jesus. I'm a believer. I'm going to follow him. I know that my, my times are in his hands. I know that my destiny is wrapped up in him. I don't care what happens. I, I belong to him. I'm following the star and wherever it takes me. When we have made that decision, then folks, I'm telling you, what Mary discovered was what we need to discover all over again. And that is God will pour out the amazing amount of peace. He'll do it. He'll give us that quiet confidence of knowing, you know what, I've got this. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have gone through some recent challenges. So have I. There are times in my life when I get to that point where I'm just saying, and and I recently did. I recently did. I just sat down with God and I said, you know what, I'm not leaving until I know you've heard me. And I'm not leaving until I know that I've made a connection with you and that you give me a little bit of an inkling of what you got planned here. Because I'm not letting go. And then I was reminded of Jesus' own words. He said, you know, let me tell me how dad is. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Be persistent. So Mary shows us that as she walks through that door, She shows us that God is ready to answer, and God is going to be there through every step. So I ask this question tonight. 
How can we know for sure? <laughs> I mean, because now she's, she said, be it as unto me. But, but she's got nine months. Nine months to carry this baby around. Now, three of them, of course, what she does, God, God tells her that Elizabeth is pregnant too. Great idea. God is the one that placed in her, in her mind. Look, you can go hang out with Elizabeth for the first three months. Go do that. God gives a solution. God is right there with peace. And of course, she gets filled up with an amazing amount of encouragement because when she walks up, little John the Baptist jumps in her belly. Even when little baby Jesus, who's in the womb, just gets anywhere close, boom, she goes, oh, I just felt this, this, this little baby inside me jump when you walked up. Can you imagine how that must have made Mary feel? Come on, mamas. Imagine to know that that what you're carrying, what, what, what God has placed inside you has been justified, has been verified, has been brought into a greater sense of supernatural uh, uh, opportunity by what that, that, that very quick experience with, with Elizabeth right there. See, those are the moments you live for. <laughs> they really are. When you said, you know, yeah, I bought the farm, man. I, I'm a, I, I, I jumped into this thing. I, you know, for me, it was like when I went to Mexico, I'm like, what in the heck was I thinking? And all the times, moving to Roanoke Rapids, what in the heck was I thinking? That's a joke. Come on, you can laugh. <laughs> Different things that we do in our life, you know, and, and knowing it was God, but man, after you do it, you're like, hmm. But then God comes with those verifying moments. See, I've taught this over the years. I'm going to share it with you tonight real quickly. How do we know? God is doing something in our life. Well, I call them the harbor lights. I'm going to share them with you real quickly. Some of you know and have heard this before, but it's excellent. It is something I've held on. I've taught my children, taught in counseling over and over again. You want to know the will of God for your life? Well, look at the harbor lights. The ship is out to sea. It's going through a storm. The ship doesn't know where to land. It doesn't know where it is, where it's going to end up. And so they provide those harbor lights for a reason. And they put them in a line as they go out into the bay, from the bay, from the harbor, all the way out. So that when the ship is in a storm and it's pitching, it has no idea where to land, it looks for the harbor lights. And those harbor lights, when they're lined up, you know to turn the bow right down the lights. Because then you're coming straight into the harbor. You're not going to hit the rocks. You're not going to get grounded. You're not going to lose control. Does God provide harbor lights? He certainly does. At least five of them, maybe more. First of all, what is it? It's the word of God. The word of God. You've got a decision to make in your life. God has impregnated with you with vision for your life. He's given you something that he's saying, look, follow me. And I'm telling you, it is difficult to follow God sometimes, especially in these, 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 this world today where, where we don't know where, where's God leading us. It starts with the word. Got to have the word. That's the first harbor light, man. If you're not focused on that, you're heading for rocks for sure. Then, God wants to speak to you. God wants to use the still, small voice. He wants to confirm what he has spoken to you. You need to learn the voice of Jesus. Jesus said, look, my sheep know my voice. You need to learn his voice. You need to recognize. You need to know it. You know, in that day that I was out there by the river, what was interesting is a lot of these things were happening just as I'm sharing them with you right now. 
in my heart, I'm going, okay, what does the word of God say? Well, then I need to be available. I need to be able to rescue. But then I was looking at my circumstances. And that's another harbor light is your circumstances. If your circumstances are not lined up with what is going on here, you're going, well, I, I, I should do this. The word kind of says, yes, I need to move. I need to love. I need to serve. But yet the circumstances are not lined up. You're, you're, you're not supposed to be doing that. Or yes, you're supposed to be doing that. And so sometimes we get right out of the lane of God because we look at our circumstances and they're not lined up. God has not designed you to be there. Perhaps maybe you're taking matters into your own hands and you're way outside the will of God. Maybe you're doing something that you know is not only in violation with the scripture, and that's how, that's how circumstances in the word of God actually come together. When you know, no, this is, this is not right. And then there's your own inner peace. Of course, we could call that the still small voice too in our spirit. God is gonna speak to you. He's gonna let you know. The problem is our voice tends to be a lot louder than the voice of God. That's why we call it the still small voice. We've got to quiet ourselves. We've got to slow down. We've got to stop everything we do, we're doing and just say, okay, what is God doing here? Am, am I supposed to be involved in that? And we look at Mary. Everything was here. God had created the circumstances, didn't he? God spoke to her and revealed himself to her. And then I can't, I, I've got to only imagine that shortly thereafter, Mary begins to think about what was written in the book of Isaiah about a virgin birth and knowing, wow, that's what he prophesied. That's what the word of God says. I am, I am that virgin. I am the one bringing forth the son of God. And then folks, counsel. Another harbor light is, is talking when you've got all these spiritual things going on in your life, you're, you're trying to follow the star, you're trying to follow the way of, and will of God in your life. You know, sometimes it just gets overwhelming. You need to sit down and not just counsel from just anybody, but an authority. Somebody in your life that you trust. You know, that's why pastors are given to a church. You know, the Bible in Ephesians says that they're a gift to us. They're a gift. You know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back at all. But at the age of 17, I decided to give myself to you. I gave my life to serve you. And I've done it faithfully for 40 years. And I'll continue to do it until God tells me to stop. Or I have to drink through a straw and can't do anything else. You know? Bruce, Jamie, exactly the same. Given their life to serve us. The, the Bible tells us we're gifts. And uh, Justin back there, we're gifts. That God has pulled aside and God is going to speak to us. Even, and, and what is amazing is sometimes I've found myself in a counseling situation where I have no idea. I've never experienced your experience. I've never walked down the, the, the path of your life. I've never done some of the things you've ever done. But yet, when I put myself in that position on your behalf, God will speak to me. Sometimes I'll get through a counseling session or I'll be sharing with someone on the telephone and I'll, I'll even pull it away or I'll step away after the meeting when a person leaves and says, wow, that was good. I didn't even know I knew that. Because it's God. Because set apart to be able for God to speak to us on behalf of those who are needy and looking for counsel, looking for wisdom because that's what God has done. 
I read the book. Read, read Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12. So we need to avail ourselves of that. You know what? I do. You say, well, you're a pastor. Yeah, I still need to get pastored. And I've got a grandpa pastor, I've got a brother pastor, and I've got a, a pastor pastor. I've got one. When I, when I need just deep, old, old wisdom, I call that, that grandpa pastor. And they speak into my life, and it's amazing. The word of wisdom God will give to get me out of the ditch, to help me line up that, that harbor light. And you know what? The reason why we don't avail ourselves often enough of counsel is because what? We're afraid of what we might hear. But still, that little bit of counsel might be the very little beaming light that gets you just right off the rocks. Everything else seems to be lining up. And yet, who knows that a wise counsel from somebody who's, who, who, who can dip into the deep riches of the wisdom of God, say, you know what? Mm -mm, I don't think this is for you. I, you know what? Everything is lined up. But you know often than, more often than not where as a pastor that little bit of adjustment comes from is not the idea. It's not that it's not found in the word of God. It's not any of those first four things. I'll tell you what it is. Timing. Timing. You know what? That's, that is the most amazing thing of authority. The thing that authority will absolutely see almost every single time, more than any other person in your life, is the timing of the things that are going on in your life. The timing. Not a bad idea, just not now. Parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because often your kids come up with the greatest ideas. It's on their heart. You're thinking, yeah, you're 11, you can't do that. You know? You know what I'm talking about. Keeps working that way. It's a very biblical principle. And God provides it. And then finally, advice from friends. You know, sometimes you've got to turn to your friends. Sometimes people that have gone through this. Sometimes it's important to look at experts. People have been through it. And you know what? That's, that's valuable information, isn't it? We should. We should go to our friends who've been through things like that and ask them. And sometimes, you know, our friends, faithful, you know, it says, the scripture says, faithful are the wounds of the friends. And you know what? Sometimes that, that wound is good counsel because we don't want to hear it. But it is good stuff. And it's what we need to hear. And it is amazing with my experience over the years, sometimes it's pretty clear that those harbor lights are so out of whack, it's just like, there's no way I can do that. But there are other times in my life that, man, it just seems all the way lined up. And yet there's that, that one little bit of, and you know where it often comes is my wife. Andrea's going, great idea, David, just no. Just don't feel it. I don't think we should do this. I'm like, mm. I listen to the cautions of my wife. She's my best friend. My best friend is going to look out for me. And if my wife or your husband is not going to be looking out for you, well, you know, that's another issue altogether. But, it, but if, if, if everything's good and, and you love one another, then gosh, why wouldn't you listen to one another? Whew. No one's going to cover your back like your husband or your wife. Just not going to do it. So when we talk about following a star, you know, I could sit here and pontificate all night long and talk about the spiritual realities of following the voice of God. That's good, and that's wonderful. I love it. But does that help you pay your bills? Does that help you save your marriage? 
Does that help you make the right choice in the job and in what's going on in your life or, or, or how do you raise your children? All of those different things. The star is going to manifest itself in so many wonderful, practical, and yet life-changing ways in every aspect of your life. Look, folks, you do not have to be something that gets a magazine color cover. You don't have to be some inter internet star. You don't have to be any of that to be something that will be celebrated in heaven when you breathe your last. In fact, the people that are celebrated the most in heaven, nobody's even going to likely know their name here on earth, except Billy Graham. We all know Billy Graham. Yeah, Billy Graham's going to get it. He's going to get a shout out or two. But just imagine all the unsung heroes because they were just like Mary. Be it as unto me, whatever you got in plan for me, make it happen, Lord. Why do decisions have to be so hard sometimes? Because our own hearts deceive us. We tend to trust in our own knowledge and our strength. We've been conditioned to trust the wise and the learned of this world. We don't abandon logic. No, no, no. But our logic is first based upon a Christocentric worldview. Can I get an amen out of that? It begins with what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't believe that, my friend, go back to your Bible. Get back on your knees and get that straight. Because if you want to live a life that is straight on what God has planned for you, and man, you are experiencing the best life that God has for you, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Don't, you don't need to look to any other experts than the God who has planned your life, who's got everything you need to live a godly, fruitful, prosperous life. Anything or anyone that doesn't include biblical wisdom or truth should be suspected to have selfish, nefarious, and even demonic influence. Yeah, I wrote that down because I believe it with all my ever-living heart. James chapter 3 tells us, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote-unquote, does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Wow. Was James reading our newspapers? But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Harbor light. It's pure. It's good. It feels right. It's not going to step on any head. It's not going to embarrass anyone. It's not going to expose anyone. It's pure. Then it's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Man, you think of what Mary did and all that Mary was involved. It's every bit of this. It's beautiful. And even where there was going to be a little bit of trouble, God preempted that, didn't he? <laughs> Let's not forget Joseph. Joseph is going, so God did this? You know. And he's going to put her away secretly. He's going to be an honorable man. But God, the angel comes to him, doesn't he? Say, oh, don't even think about it, bud. 
You need to follow the star. You need to follow me. We'll talk about Joseph later. But Mary sensed and would have sensed that God's plan was so full of peace and good fruit, nothing evil, not even the slightest. She was favored by God because of her heart was in tune with God's heart. That's what I believe. I believe that when God came down and, 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 and planned to, to use Mary, I'm telling you, I think everything about her life was like a perfect chord. That everything that was inside her, knowing that she was, that there was a simplicity, that there was a, a, good, a good life, there was a submissive heart to her parents, that she was, was she a perfect person? Probably nearly so. In the sense of her attitude, her heart, her willingness, her simplicity. And you know what? If we're going to seek to be anything or anyone, gosh, Mary's heart's got to be high up there on the list. To say, God, be it unto me what you've got planned. Because whatever God has planned is big stuff. <laughs> whatever God has planned means for your blessing. It's for your joy. I mean, no, I know, of course, what happens to Jesus. It is crucifixion. Mary's there watching it. But again, Mary has an absolute awareness the whole time of what is going to come of this. No one is, more, is, is less surprised than Mary going, be it unto me. Be it unto me. I hate watching my little boy be embarrassed, to be beaten, to be humiliated, and then crucified like a criminal. Be it as unto me, Lord. Knowing that on the other side of that, her little boy was going to go on to be the greatest <laughs> that has ever existed. Come on, mama. Isn't that a little better than a soccer trophy? Isn't that a little better than some of the things that we hope to see our children accomplish? Be it unto me, Lord. Whatever you've got planned in my life, whatever fruit is going to come to my life, sacrifice on the altar of the kingdom of God. And what does the book of Romans teach us? Romans 8? It all works together for good. For his glory. Finally, folks, Mary was, a, was given the gift of purpose. She was. Think about it. From that point on, she is in the very center of the heart and the will and the plan of God. We don't hear much about her after that. Other than Jesus telling John, take care of mom. She's your mom now. But there's no doubt in my mind that for the rest of her life, she lived and she was venerated. That's, that's the reason why, you know, she is to this day. It's because everybody looks in absolute, utter awe at this little girl and say, man, you did it. You submitted to it. You let it happen. And now you are an absolutely celebrated. Every year we think of Mary. We think of her. Her submission to God's plan brought peace. Direction. Now, these are words you need to think about. These are words we all need to yearn for. Let me go through them again. Peace. Direction. Conviction. And confidence in what God has prepared for you and me. Prepared for her. Prepared for you and me. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 and 7 says this. For this reason, Paul is telling Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God gave us, gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. I wrote down the, the Greek words for this, and you can see them up there. But delios literally means cowardice. We interpret it in the NIV and King James as fear and timidity, way too weak. The, the word itself means cowardice in the Greek. It's the only time used in the Bible, by the way. We've not been given that. We've been given a spirit of power, and that's uh, dynamos, dynamios, dunamis, the power, the raw supernatural power of God, and love, agape. And that, of course, is a God kind of love. That's the kind of love that God showed the world when he gave his only begotten son. It's in you. It's in me. Folks, these are all supernatural things that God has placed inside us. These are gifts that we've been given to help us live this life. You may look at your life. You might be a young person here today and wonder, well, what is it that I'm carrying, Pastor David? What is it that he's got planned for me? Maybe you're in the latter days of your life and you're still wondering, what is it that God has planned for me? I'm telling you, the discovery of just one supernatural moment is enough for you to look back and say, ah, it was for all of this. You got to live a, a few years to have those kind of look backs. But when you do, you look back and Romans 8 becomes more and more of a reality to you to say, man, you knew what you were doing. I don't know how you knew it, but you took all the broken pieces of my life. You took all these different experiences. You took all of this, this experience and all of this, this wisdom and knowledge and, and, and chaos and, and all the issues of my life that I've experienced. You've taken them all together to put for, to, for this one moment to be able to care for that individual, to be able to speak that truth into their life, to be able to come into this church and do some of the things that I've been able to do. I'm telling you, some of you are still carrying the baby of God's purpose. Time to give birth. Time to bring him forth. Finally, folks, we'll finish with this. Because of Mary's obedience, she was able to see the star firsthand. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? As she was laying there, I love the nativity, the movie. You guys, you guys own that or you see that? That, Hands down, that's the best nativity movie of all time. I mean, they're never going to beat that. It is so awesome. I weep like a baby every time watching it. Am I right? They know. They're all watching me. All my kids watch. Oh, Dad's crying. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's so wonderfully done. And to see Mary there holding, I can't even talk about it holding little Jesus and looking at that shepherd saying he is a gift for all mankind. And she's sitting up underneath that star and she looks up through the, the ceiling of that cave, cave and she sees that star. She followed it. It came to her. God is ready to come to us. God is ready to reveal his heart to us. You know, I don't know if you're sitting in this room tonight and you feel so insignificant. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we just feel like we're just making our widgets, doing our thing, just going through the motions, breathing in and out and wondering, does God have something wonderful for me? I, I hear their story. I, you know, I, I see people going through that. 
going through this? Follow the star. Ask God. Come to Him. Give your heart to Him. Say these very words that, that Mary spoke. Lord, be it unto me. Sometimes these things are not playing out in our life because, folks, we've been wrestling Him. We've been running from the star. We've been following it. And tonight, you have an opportunity. You know, this Christmas, we don't know how this thing's all going to shake down. Every day seems to be something new, isn't it? We don't know what they're going to throw at us next. But, but the star, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, what he's going to be, how is this all going to wrap, that never changes, does it? It will never change. What can change tonight is your understanding of its reality for you. For you. Our prayer needs to be simple. Lord, be unto me what is that you've got planned. What is in my, my uh, carrying in the womb of my life? What is, what, is, what is being planned? What is providentially supposed to come forward? May it come forward. And I want to pray that over you tonight. Amen? Let's stand up.